and welcome back to the Ending TBR podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and today I have another very special author interview for you to enjoy. Thank you for joining me. So today on the podcast, I am here with Elizabeth Musser. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks so much, Nicole, for having me. Love being here. Oh, so I just want to kind of let every... Um, buddy, no, I was very surprised with the invitation to be able to have you on this podcast. I have not read any of your books yet, but um, so I am really curious to hear, uh, like to genuinely learn about the books and the inspiration and, and your story, even just as a writer, how did you get into writing? Love that question. So ever since, um, so I'll just say I am a Georgia girl. I'm from Atlanta, but I have lived um, overseas in France for about 35 years. I'm actually back in the States right now, um, but I have we have two um, young adult sons and um, four grandkids. And so we're back here right now, thankful to get back during COVID, but Ever since I was six years old, I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, and that was a writer. And when I was six, I started writing poems, and um, I will recite one for you right now. Okay. So it's, I have a little pony, I ride him all around, but when I take him over jumps, he throws me on the ground. <laughs> and I have like dozens of poems about animals. We had lots of animals, and I did have a pony, but... Um, I also wrote about a cow and a mouse, you know, I didn't have all these, but anyway, that was, I just wrote poetry and I mean, obviously it was not good poetry, but it rhymed, you know, and, um, <laughs> and then I would write um, poems, birthday poems for my family. And anytime I had the choice as I grew up in school um, to do something creative, I chose the creative route. Mm -hmm. And I was blessed to have some teachers who just said, like I had um, one of my English teachers in high school was, he was really tough. It was AP English. And he said, um, he would give you a grade on the content and then on the grammar. So it was, I got an A minus over B plus, something like that. And he said, you have the ability to write well. And that mm -hmm. was like saying, you're the next Charles Dickens because he was so, he was tough. But wow. anyway, I, so I just, um, I always tell people, if you see a gift in, in a friend or in somebody you care about, encourage them because that family, friends, and teachers encouraged me. And then we, um, after I, I graduated, I, I majored in French and English in college. And um, we, and this was way back when, I'm, I just turned 60 this year. So uh, mm -hmm. long before internet or anything, but I, and, and then right after college, I um, went to the mission field. And again, I wasn't planning on that, um, but I had spent a semester in France and I had seen that there was, even though there were beautiful cathedrals, they were basically empty and there was a lot of apathy there. So mm. long story short, went to France um, and I would write um, monthly or quarterly letters back to people at home who were praying for me and, um, and I decided to make that the best thing I could do because that was my one outlet for writing. And I would get people saying, you're, you're so gifted, you should write a book. So fast forward 
it's in the mid 90s. I don't have a clue how to write a book. Um, I mean, I have all the ideas, but I don't know anything professionally about it. And I end up coming back to the States for a furlough and going to a writer's conference. And that, back then, you like you wrote a handwritten note to see if the writer's <laughs> conference was still going. And um, but this one was up in, in Chicago at Moody called Write to Publish, and it still exists. Oh. And I saw back then you didn't need an agent, but I signed up and I saw that I could have a, um, an interview with, an, with editors. And one of the editors was a man who had been a missionary in France with my mission years before, and I knew him. And wow. so I went um, into that interview and I didn't know what in the world I was going to say. I was totally nervous. And I said, um, well, I'd like to write a woman's devotional. And Dave who is the wonderful Dave Horton, who went on to become the vice president of fiction and nonfiction at Bethany House Publishers. But anyway, back then he was um, an editor at a different publisher. Dave said, well, we don't need that, Elizabeth, but we need a woman novelist. And I felt like the Lord put me at the right place at the right time. And I learned how to do a professional proposal and I sent it to him and long story short, Four months later, I had a contract for my first novel. And it sounds like a dream come true, but I will say it was preceded by about 30 years of praying about God, if you want me to do something more with the gift you've given me, show me. So mm -hmm. I wrote my first novel in 1996 and I've written 13 novels. Um, and they, I don't write genre fiction. Um, it's a little bit like um, it's Christian fiction, but more um, literary Christian fiction, I would say. And um, I call it recent historical inspirational fiction, which there is absolutely no <laughs> genre. <laughs> but, um, and so the, my first novels were about Algeria's war for independence from France, which I did oh, not wow. even know where Algeria was before I moved to France. But um, I thought maybe my American audience would like to know something besides American wars. And after I wrote a trilogy, um, I decided to turn home because they say, write what you know. And I had totally used up everything I knew about Algeria and a lot of what I knew about France. So I came back and I wrote a book called The Swan House. And it was really about um, where I grew up in Atlanta. And um, that became kind of my, um, my well-known book, it, it, it opened doors in Atlanta. It was um, about a young woman. It started with a true story of a plane crash that happened in 1962 where many elite art patrons from Atlanta and from the same neighborhood were, um, went to Europe to look at museums and on the way back their plane crashed and they were all killed. And I was two years old at the time, but my grandmother's next door neighbor died in that crash. It's called the Orly crash. And, um, and I grew up with those stories. And so my story starts, it's about a young, a teenage girl from a wealthy family in Atlanta who, um, whose mother perishes in that plane crash. And to help her get through her grief, her maid, this is 1962, um, Atlanta. So her African-American maid takes her into the inner city and she discovers a whole new world. Mm -hmm. And um, so I say my, that's a coming of, of age story, but many of my novels, I say, I kind of like to bug my readers with the things that are bugging me that are the Lord's convicting me about. So I do a lot about um, racial um, injustice and um, I write about 
my, this most recent one is about pilgrimage and um, being a control freak. So I can do something very personal or more um, broad. I've written about human trafficking and I've written about um, different wars um, and the resistance in France. So that's kind of an overview. I, um, I like to write novels that have deep themes and I call my writing entertainment with a soul. So I want my reader to be entertained but I want them to be able to look deeper and ask some questions and wrestle with some stuff and hopefully love a very well-told story with accurate research and a interesting plot and a few love stories sprinkled in. But if you wanna dig deeper, you can. So mm. that's a mouthful, I just blabbed, but um, that's kind of my background story. <laughs> No, and that is great because, yeah, I mean, looking at some of your books, it's kind of like, you know, it was like, okay, well, what genre is it? And you have described what your self-described genre <laughs> is for your books. Yeah. And I, love and I love that too, because it's like, you can't, it is amazing how many times in like my life, a book has touched on a topic that I needed to grow in and stuff. And it's amazing how you can learn and grow so much through reading a story. Is that like what, like what keeps you going and doing that, this? Yeah, I think um, a lot of times people say, well, what inspires you? And I think um, I, I, I echo what other authors have said. I, it can be literally looking out the window and seeing a dog playing with a toddler, or it can be a plane crash, or it can be a pandemic, you know, I don't know if we're going to go there yet, but, um, but I like, um, and, and I say that when I, when I'm watching a movie or reading a book or um, going to a, a play or listening to a symphony, anything with the arts or going to a museum and looking at paintings, for me, my my judge of whether it's good or not, and again, it's super personal, but is do I leave inspired? Mm -hmm. Did it inspire me to go back and write? And so mm -hmm. the um I I whatever inspires me usually gets written down on a piece of paper. And um this morning I was praying about something and well, actually, I was listening to a it's a, a daily podcast Kyle, called Lectio 365, and it's a 10 minute um, devotional. And they were, the verse was uh, they were talking about the Beatitudes and Jesus saying, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the world, earth. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, something that the devotional um, speaker said, I was like, oh, wait, wait. And so I ran, ran to my present book that I'm re writing and I was like, oh, yes this is it <laughs> so it can be <laughs> different things but i think as an author um my other job so my other job is we've been in um missions work for 35 years and for many years we were um working in french churches just kind of under french leadership trying not trying to make american churches but just helping um love people to, to christ but um about 10 years ago, our the president of our mission agency, which is in the States, asked us to do pastoral care for missionaries all over the world. And so we um, we do and we do a lot on Zoom now. But I we always say when we're when we're listening, when we're doing pastoral care with another worker, we call them workers instead of missionaries. But 
You have one ear to the worker and one ear to the Lord and be in tune. And I think as an author too, we want to have one ear to <clears throat> what has inspired us and one ear to getting the stuff down on paper. Mm. And, um, so, so my inspiration, yeah, it's, it's come from learning about history. I'm not a historian. I, I like to learn through um, historical fiction. I just finished before we were yours and it is so awesome. And um, I, my next book is gonna be a time slip like that. Well, not, it is going to be the same genre, shall we say? <laughs> Lisa Wingate is an awesome storyteller. But anyway, um, just finding those snippets of history are fascinating. That That's a big inspiration and um, and then my last novel, the, the Promised Land is about pilgrimage, but the one before it, When I Close My Eyes, is about mental illness and um, grace and mental illness. And I feel super strong about that because of things in my life and my family's life and the people I love. And, um, and so that story came. So, and he, and it starts with a, with a, a, a what do you call it, a sniper. <laughs> which is not at all my, my, my normal writing. But so again, I, I, I think we, we kind of pay attention to what inspires us. And then we, um, we, we let, we see what happens. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's like how much in everyday life will just teach us those little lessons that we're sensitive and listening to him. Yeah how he can and it's like it's those little aha moments that sometimes you have and um I mean it doesn't happen I'd like it for it to happen more often in my life personally (laughs) well but it is it's like I say they're the winks from the Lord they're the Mm -hmm. the the little epiphanies that are really big aren't they they're not they don't seem like big events but they are in our our personal life and um I loved talk I was talking to a, a book club yesterday and talking about my most recent novel about pilgrimage and one of it um so it's called the promised land and yes I was really excited to find out that the um the the novel I mean the book a promised land was the bestseller of 2020 now it's not the promised land it is by a certain man named obama barack obama wrote a promised land and his his memoir came out we did not know it was going to have the same title but you know it's the best bestseller but i thought that was that was very fun but anyway the promised land one of the main characters is struggles with control and she is a control freak actually mm-hmm. as my son would sometimes say that i am a very nice one. He says I'm a really nice control freak. But I loved hearing the um, the discussion afterwards with these women, and several said, "Yeah, I said, oh, I didn't realize I was a control freak uh, until I read this." But then, she, I mean, it was a positive thing. It was like, okay, yeah. I see, yeah, what I'm doing. And so, if that can, if it can touch your life in that way, great. If you just read it for fun, great. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes, oh like so many times I've seen it's like a character will be going through something and you see that and you're able to experience their growth and you can really Mm self-reflect and realize things if it's like oh my goodness I do that too I mean I know I can be a control freak I do feel like 
like 2020 did kind of like show me how little control I have over anything. So part of me is like, man, you realize how little control you have, you, you thought you had, you know, you thought you had more than you ever did. Yes. Well, no, I think that in a sense, 2020 and um, maybe 2021 also, but we will not go there, um, is I, I think it's exactly that, Nicole. I think it's, um, we think we have control, mm-hmm. but 2020 forced us to live one day at a time and not know what was next. And I, in many ways, I believe that's kind of how the Lord wants us to live anyway with a certain dependence with our dependence on him and living in the present and paying attention to the present and um and trusting so they're hard lessons but uh i think the whole world is we're being forced to hopefully learn um and time will tell if we learn (laughs) (laughs) right yeah um, so with the promised land, what was a, was there a particular character or um, storyline in that that you like really enjoy, like me unpack the promised land a little bit? Sure. So I'll talk about the inspiration. So again, okay. my other job, we do pastoral care and um, one of our teams of missionaries <clears throat> had, was 10 years ago when we started this job, they were opening um, a welcome center at the end of the Camino. And the Camino is a very famous pilgrimage. It's in Fr- France and in Spain, and there are many different paths of this pilgrimage, but basically it ends in Santiago, Spain, which is in um, Northwestern mm. Spain. And the um, history legend, I would say, says, says that in 800 um, AD, the bones of St. James, the apostle, ended up in Santiago. And so his relics are in this um, beautiful, um, beautiful cathedral there. So you walk the Camino and the pilgrims who come to the end, they've maybe walked for a week or a month, or they may have walked for three months and they may have, you know, hundreds of kilometers and then it's kind of over. And our, um, our missionaries wanted to have a place where, where they could unpack. And, mm-hmm. and this pilgrimage has become very, um, very popular, kind of, it's kind of a, a fad, but not in a negative sense, but it's not just at years, you know, a thousand years ago, it was a Catholic pilgrimage, but now all kinds of people do it for all kinds of reasons. But there's usually a reason. It may mm-hmm. be you are in between jobs or you went through a breakup or you're mourning somebody who has died or you're going asking for forgiveness or there's a reason and so um anyway we learned a lot about the Camino I did really didn't know much about it and that was my first um inspiration was this idea of pilgrimage and then two years ago as I was writing the novel I went and I did part of the Camino just about three or four days um on the French uh, one little basically what pilgrims do is they may go one like some take each year they walk a part of the Camino because it could it's a you know it can be 2,000 kilometers um there's different starting points and um in southern Spain and in northern France and and um but anyway, I walked a part of it just to get a feel for that. And so um, 
my main, there's three point of view main characters. And one is Abby. She is in her mid forties. She's a mom. And at the beginning of the book, her oldest son, instead of going to college and, you know, she's a control freak. So he got accepted to some good colleges, but he's going on a gap year in Europe. Mm -hmm. And her younger son is going off to, to boarding school. And she, her father is losing his memory and mm -hmm. she's moving into a new, um, a new high rise loft in Atlanta with her husband. And he tells her he's, he needs a break and oh. he needs a break from her and he leaves. And she has already planned his 50th birthday surprise. And she's, she's um, cross-stitching this intricate tapestry. Uh, it's a family tree, but it basically has 50 things that her husband loves. So she mm. is devastated, ends up going to see a spiritual director, which she has no idea what that is. And, but a friend says, you need some help. And what happens is Abby, the main character, go ends up joining her son, Bobby, on the Camino. He does not want her there, but she's a control freak. So she goes. And then they meet up with another young woman um, who is, there's a, a tie in there. But each of them has something they're learning and something they have to get rid of and something um, they're, they're caring about or carrying, a burden they're carrying. And... In the real Camino, you pick up a stone from home. So this says, this is just, I put on the date and then my Camino, but it just oh. any kind of stone and you carry it with you in your backpack. And at some point during your journey, you put it down and all across the Camino, there are, are crosses, all kinds of crosses. Some are just made out of sticks that uh, a pilgrim has tied together and some are big stone crosses. But people leave them and it's kind of a in the novel i talk about placing your burden at the foot of the cross which is kind of a trite saying but it becomes something else in the book um but <laughs> something really, something really tangible to actually physically do that yeah. you know i have seen that yeah yeah so anyway that is um the characters are each the the um kind of the tagline of the book so um is you'd be surprised at what gets through when everything else is taken away. Mm. And I believe that is what we're, what, what's happened in 2020. I did not know that would be in a pandemic when I wrote the book. And again, like we talked about, we've lost control, but um, I think people seek pilgrimage in modern times to get away from our devices, to get away and, and pay attention to something else. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so what I, I was just gonna, explain so when you start out on a pilgrimage you get what's called a passport in french it's a créancial, but it's a, a folded uh it's like a passport and you can have it stamped at every place you stop on the way and each hostel that you stop at has its own specific stamp and its own um wow and and the hostels they serve you food from the region it's they're they're very loving and proud of the Camino. And um, so what I did is I created with, with my publisher, it's called um, a Camino at home. And oh. it's basically, um, it's, it's 10 walks you can take and it goes through um, in the, in the, in the book, the novel, one of the things that Abby does is she reads a Psalm of Ascent. So Psalm 120 through 134 each day on her pilgrimage. 
And so mm. each day in here, there's 10 days worth. Um, there's a, a little part of a psalm and then a direction. And for instance, the first one says, pick a stone from home to bring with you each day as you walk your Camino. Find a trail you'd like to walk. Read Psalm 121 before you start and trust the Lord to guide you on this pilgrimage. Another day says practice gratitude. Slowly name 10 things you are thankful for as you walk. So it's a possible, it's a way during COVID, but anytime, you know, we can't all go to Spain and, and France and walk the Camino, but to take something more out of your a daily walk. And um, and so that I was I was really excited. It's also available digitally um, if you sign up for my newsletter. So I can tell about that later. But anyway, those oh. are things that um, my characters are unpacking a burden that they're carrying and they may not even know what it is, but another theme of the actual Camino is you're never alone on the Camino because you meet other pilgrims and the fact that you walk together binds you together. You have a shared experience and you get to know each other very quickly. Um, and wow. so anyway, they're working through a lot of their issues on the Camino. And of course they have adventures and there's, there's a, a bunch of stuff going on, but at the core, it's that whole theme of what gets through when everything's taken away. Mm. I feel like that's so, and, and I feel like what a great reminder, even if you didn't read it in 2020, it's like, I feel like those are lessons that we need to constantly, um, remind ourselves that we learned to continue that growth. You know, it's, it's not just, unfortunately, once you learn something, you, you forget it. Sometimes oh. you need a reminder. <laughs> Constant, oh. right? And I, yeah, I, um, so it's, it was, it's been very, I, I've loved the journey really because of, um, I mean, as an author, we learn as we write, right? Correct. And so um, I, I've, I've really enjoyed unpacking. So I talk about, um, you know, the issue of control. I talk about responsibility and being too responsible. I talk about trauma and vicarious trauma. Um, so again, my themes are usually pretty heavy, but there's I it, there's a lot of um, fun and happy endings too. So <laughs> that's but good to I, know because yeah yeah, yeah. because happy endings <laughs> yeah. Well, and I say I I write stories that deal with loss and betrayal and um, faith and friendship, but ultimately um, there's hope and redemption. And I think that's any life, there's always hope and there's always redemption possible. That is, that is awesome. That's so, it's so good to, it's so good to hear, you know? And I feel like, oh, so many times with like when you pick up books, especially Christian fiction, we, we really, I feel like a lot of readers go into that wanting that, that redemption and that stuff to look, to look forward to, especially when you're in, like, if you're in a dark place, you need that inspiration and encouragement. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's something that we can offer. And again, I hope we offer it in a <clears throat> a realistic way. I love hearing from readers that they can identify with my characters, that they're, you know, this, it, it means something to them. And, um, mm -hmm. but we do offer that redemption. Yeah, that is awesome. So when you talk about like the research and everything, can you think of something that was kind of like, just like uh 
really random or really interesting tidbit that you discovered while researching one of your books? Okay, so any one of them? <laughs> any, any. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I, I just, I love the serendipity of research. And um, mm -hmm. one of my, um, oh, wow, there's so many, but one of the things I really loved, um, I wrote a book called Searching for Eternity years ago, and it, we had just moved to Lyon, France. And during World War II, Lyon was um, the center of the resistance, the French resistance, okay. but it was also where the Gestapo was. Oh. And so I did tons of research, but one of the things about the city, um, in the old part of Lyon, there are secret passageways. And oh. so um, now they are um, in, you know, very, well, now there's, they're, they're apartment buildings, but they're back, um, they, they exist from the early fourth century when um, Lyon was a silk center and the mm. silk weavers would carry their wares from the river up to their apartments. But during the resistance, <clears throat> the, these passageways go from one street to another, but they're, um, they're covered, they're in between streets, but apartments are in between, I, I don't know if I'm describing what they're not open to the air, but when oh, you, open, okay. you open a door and you think you're just going into an apartment building, but there's really a passageway and, oh. and the next door is just a door. And so if you know the right ones, the resistance workers mm. to get away from the Gestapo would open the doors and get, if you knew, you know, Lyon, they has, it has 300 secret passageways, I mean, they're called traboul, which means a walk through. Um, oh, wow. So I love that and I loved going. I mean, we lived there and discovering those, I mean, doesn't secret passageway sound like something an author would like? <laughs> like I've been obsessed with secret passageways, like probably since the first old black and white movie that I saw when I'm like, oh, I wanna go through a secret passageway one day. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love just, I, and I think that bonus, I mean, I love finding out about that, but then because of living there, I got to go through them mm. and, um, and then learn more of the history. And of course, when you're doing your research, something, uh, um, your story is going to change because you're like, mm. oh my goodness, truth is stranger than fiction. This is really great. And like another thing, um, I found how in one of my novels, um, a, a, something is, it's again, a, a war story. It's my first novel, Two Crosses, but I have um, a, a secret message in a loaf of bread, a baguette, one of the French bread. And, and our neighbors at the time were boulanger. They were, they owned a bakery. And so I had them bake the message into the bread to see if it worked because I knew that it happened back in the 60s but I wanted to make sure it still helped so I mean that was just totally I mean it was really fun and kind of random that that person could, <laughs> was right there and I could ask her to do that so you get to and you meet a lot of wonderful people to doing research and um yeah so that's a few stories Oh yeah, that no that I mean I love hearing history stuff, especially that that rich to be actually able to be somewhere where those events have taken place and and that history is so rich. I just love hearing about that. So 
um, what is what is next for you as a writer? Are you do you have your eye on something else? Are you working on a new project? Yes. So um, I'm writing with uh, my publisher is Bethany House, um, and the Promised Land actually was the third in a, a series. They're all standalone, and they have been written over the course of twenty years. But my the first one in that series is the Swan House. And that's the um, the main character um, is the young woman whose mother perished in a plane crash, and mm -hmm. then the the dwelling place comes next. And this character, Mary Swan, has grown up, and the main character in the dwelling place is one is her youngest daughter, who has an attitude and some problems. And then the promised land is Mary Swan's oldest daughter. Um, oh. Abby. Okay. And the the next book in the series is called The Wren's Nest. And there's the Swan House is actually a place in America in Atlanta. It's a it's a it was a Italian um, mansion that is now owned by the Atlanta History Center that you can visit. So many, many book clubs will come and tour the Swan House. And then there's a there's a ladies tea room next door. Mm -hmm. Well, the Wren's Nest is is the home of Joel, Joel Chandler Harris, who wrote Br'er Fox and Br'er Rabbit stories. Oh, okay. And so um, that is that novel has already been written, and it is I, I, all my novels have been um, translated into Dutch, German, and Norwegian, and so it's been out over there. But it's um, my American publishers have not picked it up, so I'll probably self-publish that one. Oh, okay. Um, and it's about, um, it's actually about slavery and reconstruction in Georgia after after the end of the Civil War. And it mm. ties into modern day um, sex trafficking. So again, very light wow. themes that, you know, have, uh, <laughs> that's pretty heavy. But oh, what, the next story that I'm writing for um, Bethany House is, um, <clears throat> it is gonna be a time slip novel also. And it's about um, the Battle of the Atlantic and the Mounted Coastal Patrol, which I didn't know anything about. I grew up riding horses, love horses, but it's about during um, World War II, um, the German U-boats were destroying all the tankers who were headed to Europe to give supplies. Mm -hmm. And so they started, um, they rounded up literally all these civilians who could ride horses <laughs> or not, but men um, who patrolled all the all the beaches of America, and so part of it starts in um, back in really before the war, and part of it is present day. So it's a it's a, a granddaughter in present day who is trying to preserve the um, the property that her grandmother grew up on that has horses, and she wants to do equine therapy. Oh. But it's been it's been basically stolen. She was she had her whole plan and and somebody she's lost the property she's she knows there's money there and she's trying to find the money and in the back background it's her grandmother as a young woman um who's a very famous equestrian and her story of kind of equine therapy but also how she had this money so there's a mystery there's always a mystery in my books but one thing that was really serendipitous is i have a young woman who's um who helps me with marketing mm -hmm. and i I, we were just talking one day and I had already started writing this novel and she said, oh, well, my mom is an equine therapist. So I'm going to get to interview her. So those kind of things are just so fun when you get to 
meet people in real life who are doing what you're you're it's so much better to talk to somebody in real life than just to go on wikipedia or something oh it is and um the funny thing is i actually volunteered in college to do some equine therapy with my oh. child development major that was like one of my favorite hands-on experiences oh, during i love work. hearing that Oh, well, I may call you up. You never know, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a few months, but it really left an impact. And when you mentioned the um, the Coast Patrol, I live in living in Southern California. I had never heard of that until it was like a couple years ago, how Sarah Sundin does like this day in World War II history. She posts, I feel like I saw her post a picture about the relays that they had to patrol the coast. And it's like... Yeah. You never hear anything about that. And no. I'm so interested in what that was like. So I'm really it's looking fascinating. It. It's fascinating. Oh. Um, I don't have a title yet, but um, it'll be something. Um, well, I, my the title I'm thinking of right now is um, The Lost Sense of Horses. And mm. just to play on words of horse sense and what, but it, mm. both, um, both time periods have horses in them, which is very fun for me. <laughs> oh, that that sounds really good. I'm looking forward to that. I love I love books with horse stories too. So I grew up cool. reading horse stories. Oh, loved it. All the horse stories. Oh, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh, so speaking like what do you enjoy reading when you're like, what's your pleasure reading or that is such a good question. I um, so I a lot of times now I read what my readers are reading. I love to, um, so I'm reading more um, just contemporary fiction. Mm -hmm. And I, I did a post on Instagram the other day um, and it was the books I got for Christmas. And so it was Before We Were Yours and The Lost Book of Friends are both by Lisa Wingate. And then okay. the Lost Book of Names is by oh, Kristen Harmel, I think. Um, and then Little Fires Everywhere, and I cannot pronounce her name. Uh, her last <laughs> name is NG. Um, yeah. And I got one other one. So the, they, um, so I, I basically, I try to read um, a lot of contemporary, but I love also just a good mystery. I, um, People ask, yeah, what are your favorite authors? And I'm like, oh, I, I sometimes I have a cheat sheet because as soon as somebody asks me that, I'm like, ah, don't remember. But I just <laughs> wrote, uh, I just read a story by um, Terry Kay, who is a really well-known Georgia author. Um, he just passed away, but it's called To Dance with the White Dog. And it's about an old man and um, his family and grieving. But I loved, um, I loved um, Where the Crawdads Sing. I mm. recently read, um, and then one of my favorite Christian um, series is Sharon Garlow Brown's Sensible Shoes. And oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Wonderful. I love Lynn Austin's um, novels, uh, her historical fiction. Um, and let's see, what else have I been reading recently? Um, oh, and I, I just read... Uh, a, no, a, a novella that one of our workers' daughters, who's 13, she self-published it and she'd asked me to look at it and I wrote her a little endorsement and I'm just so proud of her. So I love to do that too, Aww. just 
I do a lot of, well, I can't endorse as many books as I would like because it's time consuming, but I really appreciate when I um, have the opportunity to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I, I read um, Ann Mulligan's High Cotton. I think that comes out pretty soon. Or no, I guess it just came out. Yeah. So I read London Restoration by Rachel McMillan, which I really enjoyed. Um, that was very, yes. I I read that one and it was like very much absorbing in the culture. I really yeah, it was. That. She does yeah. a great job. And it's very, it's a bit different. It's It's got a, yeah. um, and it's pretty, um, in a sense, it's a little bit intellectual, but it's, it, if you like architecture and London, wonderful it had reading that book it's like I was reading it and then I'm like I have to look up the visual and I was like looking up all these churches and then it was like and then when I had the visual component it's like I almost wish wished that was a picture book <laughs> I know I know and she has said that too in fact I was yeah. going to just tell our readers that um a bunch, there's 16 authors who have started something on Facebook it's just called her novel collective Okay. We're all believers, but we try, we're uh, it's for anybody who wants to talk about books. It's a very clean, safe, fun place. But um, and we just we we talk about books. We do we ask questions. We get to giveaways. Um, but it's a we started that back in September, and it's it's been really fun to be a part of. Mm. That's uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up because I love hearing from you authors to get those little peeks into what. What you guys are enjoying too so yeah yeah now we talk lots about different books and and classics i mean i like you know tale of two cities is my favorite and mm. les miserables but um anyway I, I try to read different genres um but right now i'm trying to read a few contemporary time slip because that's what i'm going to be writing um just to help yeah. me get so that, that will, will that be your first time slip well, actually, the Wren's Nest that has not been published yet oh. in America is kind of a time slip. It, it, it's not exactly. And I'm thinking, well, maybe because I didn't know what I was doing. That's why it hasn't been published over here. So I'm doing I'm re I just read a book called A Split in Time about writing time slip. And it's oh. um, it's been really helpful, too. And it, I think it's Melanie Dobson and Morgan, I forget Morgan's last name, but two Christian authors who are talking about the, um, just this new kind of genre and, and they interview a lot of different authors who do time slip fiction. It was great. It was yeah. very short, but super helpful. And that's, that's a genre that I'm pretty new. Like I had read some back, like, I feel like there were like sprinkling way back that there were some split time but i feel like split time has really become a bigger thing about really connect and i feel like it gives us that sense of connection to history oh and yeah. oh i as like just a history lover at first i'm like oh but it's two different stories as am, am i going to lose track but it really shows how it's all connected and oh, I love it's super fun and i was going to say one of the authors um that i think is doing time slip the best is susan meissner and she has written um, for the Christian market and now she's writing more for general market and her books are absolutely beautiful. So, she's such a beautiful writer, um, but she does a great job with time slip fiction. So she's kind of my go-to too. She's a dear friend also. Oh, that's neat. That is really neat. So where can, um, there is so much to look forward to. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where can listeners and other readers find you 
and stay up to so date. You, so you can find me at www.elizabethmusser.com and it's just E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H-M-U-S-S-E-R. I have to say Z because in France, in, uh, Elizabeth is spelled with an S, but in America it's oh. usually with a Z. But on that page, there's um, you can join my mailing list if you scroll down. Uh, there's there's a contact button too. But um, and if you jo join my mailing list, which is just every other month at most, and not spam and just fun stuff and giveaways, um, there is the right now you can have a, a a digital copy of the the Stay at Home Camino, the pilgrimage, the passport that I was talking about. But I'm also on Facebook at just Elizabeth Musser author and okay. on Instagram at I think I'm E Musser author, but there are buttons on my homepage and my website that get you there. And I'm on I'm on Pinterest um, with some pictures. And what I'm doing on on Instagram and Facebook right now is a virtual tour of the um, the promised land. And there's pictures I filmed little short one minute videos of all many different places that take uh, in the novel about the, the Camino. And then I have a lot of pictures there too. And you can see it in my story on Instagram or um, there's just in my videos on Facebook. So those are, it's been very fun to, to share that with readers. Um, and then I would just say for readers, often say, oh, what's the best thing we can do for an author? And it's just word of mouth. It is such, mm -hmm. you know, talk about a book if you like it, write an author, um, that's a huge encouragement. Follow them on BookBub or Goodreads and writing a review, those are, all that kind of stuff is more and more important, the social media stuff. And, and honestly, for writers, we're doing more and more of it, but we yeah. really want to write. So um, yeah. it's helpful when um, when readers shout out about books if they like them. Mm, that is great. That's great to know too, because yeah, we don't we don't always know exactly how to help. So that's that's useful to know those tools. So. And what you're doing is wonderful, Nicole. Just a podcast that's super uh, helpful. Getting the word out, we get to tell our stories, um, and it's an it's another. I mean, podcasts are a big deal now too, right? I guess so. Like, um, I I sure enjoy listening to them because I love to hear people's voice talking yeah. about it. So, and it's like to me that means so much to just to hear the conversation behind the stories, those little bits, it's like that just makes me want to go to view those things and then to be able to experience it through the novel too. I just think it's a richer experience. Yeah. So, uh, Well, I super am, I am very, very happy to be here and thank you. And thank you for what you're doing for all the authors. And um, it's just, it's a blessing. It really is. And an encouragement. Oh, my pleasure, because you know what? You authors help keep us readers. You give us what we need. So. <laughs> Yay! It's a win-win situation. <laughs> it is to me. Oh, well, thank you very much again for joining us. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And as always, I would always, I always appreciate hearing what you guys enjoy about this podcast or something that you would like to see, a different topic that you'd like to discuss or to nominate an author that you would like to hear something about. Um, you can always reach me at Nicole and, and the Unending TBR on either Facebook or Instagram. Thank you. Talk to you next week.